It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Recorded live. You're listening to the Sham Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
and good morning. This is your early Sunday morning gospel program, Morning Inspirations. Your talk show, Jim Radio, want to say hello to the team. Thanks for listening. Excuse me, thanks for tuning in. Lutheran Hour is coming up next. And we'll be back with you at the top of the next hour. About half hour from now. Till then, thanks for listening and tuning in to your early Sunday morning gospel program. Morning Inspiration.
bringing Christ to the nations. The good news of Christ has gone out to all corners of the world. Pastor Ken Klaus asks, has it reached you? Jesus has already stepped out of his grave and into the lives of billions. But has he stepped into your life? And Dr. Dale Meyer says Christ's resurrection is a reality that touches both the mind and heart. We can come up with evidence that something most unusual happened. But finally, you trust that Jesus rose or you don't believe it. Thanks for joining us today. Your gifts and prayers help the Lutheran Hour bring Christ to the nations and the nations to the church. Thank you for your faithful support. Now with a message titled, It's Really Real, here's Pastor Ken Klaus. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Dear Lord, all of us know that people don't rise from the dead. That is why it has been so easy for Satan to tell people Jesus' resurrection is a myth, a legend, a story for little children. Use today's message to touch doubting hearts so they may know the resurrection is really real and the living Lord Jesus has come to forgive and save us all. Grant this, Lord, unto us all. Amen. The message of this broadcast is a simple one. This message affirms the scriptural truths which say Jesus Christ died and three days later the living Lord walked out of that temporary tomb and showed to all the world that he, the world's one and only Savior, had conquered sin, death, and the devil. Today's message presents those statements as being factual, even as it rejects any and every attempt to reduce them into being theories, opinions, fantastic fantasies, or flights of spiritual fancy which can be ignored and rejected without a negative result, without any harmful or long-lasting repercussions. And, yes, I know, for some those are fighting words. Recently I was given a storytelling of an event which is supposed to have taken place at the Chicago Divinity School. The story spoke of a special annual event held at the school called Baptist Day. On that special day, students, faculty, and friends brought a picnic lunch, which was to be eaten on a grassy hillside. Inspiration, education, and illumination was to be provided by some great theological mind who was imported for the occasion. According to the story, one year the school invited Dr. Paul Tillich, who spent two and a half hours poking holes in the resurrection account of the Gospels. Countless contemporary critics were quoted in his presentation which criticized Scripture's veracity, integrity, and authenticity. The attack against the physical resurrection of the Christ was unrelenting and inescapable, and the pity which was heaped upon anyone who would believe what he considered to be groundless claptrap was unreal. At the end of his presentation, the noted scholar shared his willingness to receive questions. About one-third of the way up the hill, an old Baptist preacher got up. I will now quote the story as it was given to me. Dr. Tillich, I got one question, the old preacher said, as all eyes turned to him. He reached into his sack lunch and pulled out an apple and began eating it. Dr. Tillich, crunch, munch, 
My question is a simple one, Crunch Munch. No, I ain't never read them books you read, Crunch Munch. And I can't recite the scriptures in the original Greek. I don't know nothing about Niebuhr and Heidegger, Crunch Munch. He finished the apple. All I want to know is, this apple I just ate, was it bitter or sweet? Dr. Tillich paused for a moment and answered in exemplary scholarly fashion. I cannot possibly answer that question, for I haven't tasted your apple. The white-haired preacher dropped the core of his apple into his crumpled paper bag, looked up at Dr. Tillich and said calmly, Neither have you tasted my Jesus. Now that story was so good and fit so perfectly into today's message, I decided to check it out. A spokesman for the Divinity School at the University of Chicago says, there's absolutely no evidence that the old preacher's challenge ever happened. Moreover, there is no record of the school ever having a Baptist day in its annual schedule. And Paul Tillich was on the school faculty and did not serve as a guest speaker. Now, no matter how you feel about the Christ and the claims of Christianity, both believer and doubter can come together and agree on one thing. Either the storyteller was right or the spokesman for the Divinity School was right. With contradictory perspectives and opposing opinions, the best that can be said is this. One of these individuals is lying. And although they both may be sincere in what they presented, somebody was not telling the truth. You know, my friends, we live in a politically correct age wherein we try to find common ground between opposing positions. The encouragement and desire to let contradictory opinions live and let live is compelling and almost overwhelming. Still, there comes that point where compromise towards and acceptance of two differing positions is simply not possible. Whenever a loved one goes into a lengthy and dangerous surgery, the family waits impatiently for some official person to give them updates on the patient's condition. Now tell me, what should the family believe if one surgeon comes out and says, it was a tough operation, but the patient is doing fine, and then five minutes later a second physician comes out and says, after a long, hard surgery, I am sorry to tell you your loved one has died. The family can believe a number of things. They can believe one doctor spoke prematurely. They can believe at least one of the doctors got the family wrong. But there is one thing the family cannot believe. They cannot think their loved one is both dead and alive, that he has survived and succumbed. The same thing can be said in regard to the Savior and the principal doctrines of Christianity. Either Jesus did die on the Roman cross, or he did not. Either Jesus physically rose from the dead, or he did not. Either Jesus is the world's only Savior, or he is the world's greatest liar. You cannot have it both ways. Nor can you look at the world's religions and say, they are all different paths to the same God and goal. The spokesmen for all of these faiths may be sincere in what they say about their beliefs, but not all are headed in the right direction. Nor are they strolling down the same path to paradise. The sad and sorrowful reality is this. Some people, 
many millions of individuals are walking away from rather than toward the Lord. Confronted by enthusiastic believers from the world's great and not-so-great faiths, some people throw up their hands in frustration and say, I give up. I am not qualified to decipher these differences and discover which, if any, is correct. I think when all is said and done, it's all just a matter of opinion. In the final outcome, I don't think God, if there is a God, is going to send anyone to hell, if there is such a place as hell. I think all I really have to do is be the best me I can be. If I can do that, the Lord, if there is a Lord, will gladly bring me into heaven, if there is a heaven. What a sad point of view. What a miserable and dangerous way to lead your life. Is getting to heaven to be decided by a quick pull on the slot machine of life? And even as the world begins to nod its collective head in agreement, and as philosophers begin to say, yep, that's what we got to do, old John, the last surviving apostle John, stands up and very politely interrupts and says, no, that's not what you ought to do. There is a better way, a right way, a sure way, a way which turns humanity's question mark into God's exclamation point. And when the world's critics and skeptics reply, tell us, John, just exactly how are you going to do all that, the apostle doesn't get frustrated or phased. He simply says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Like a teacher introducing a new subject to his students, John begins simply. Selecting gentle words, comforting words, words which are easy to understand. John lets his listeners know that the life, death, and resurrection of the Redeemer is an historical event, and not a fiction which sprang from the disciples who were still mourning the death of their rabbi, their teacher, their friend. Right from the get-go, John wants everyone to know he didn't get this message about Jesus' sacrifice from a good friend of his wife's second cousin whose barber once read an article on the internet which implied Jesus lived, suffered, and died and rose for humanity? Nope. John's message isn't gossip or hearsay or the product of an overactive imagination. No, John wants everyone to know that the Jesus whom he preaches is someone he really saw, really heard, really looked at, and really touched. Jesus was a real person who lived, died, and lived again at a real time in history. John wants his readers to know that although Christians believe by faith, they don't have to put their brains into neutral when they follow the living Lord. John wants his readers to know that the man he preaches is a very real individual, a person whom we should check out for ourselves. 
And how could John make such a bold invitation? Simple. John's confidence is based on the fact that he had been there. John had been there to see the lame throw away their crutches and the blind remove their bandages. He had been there to see the white scales of the leper be replaced by flesh, living flesh. He had been there and watched in astonishment when Jesus raised a young man from the dead and returned a dead daughter to her family. John had seen the decomposition of death and Lazarus turned back as the enshrouded man shuffled out of the graveyard. How did John know? He had been there to see the Savior muzzle a storm, feed thousands with a few loaves and fish, and walk on the water so he might comfort his frightened disciples. John says, You can believe, because I'm telling you what I saw when Jesus was arrested, when he was tried, I was there in the high priest's house. I was there when Jesus was nailed to the cross, and I was there when he died. When the Roman soldier stabbed the Savior in the heart, John saw blood and water come out of the wound. Now he may only have been an uneducated fisherman, but even he knew what that meant. The serum of the blood and the red corpuscles separate after an individual's heart stops beating, blood and water. That small fact told him Jesus was really dead and had been dead for a while. Because John knew Jesus was really and completely dead, and not just mostly dead, he didn't bother to go to the tomb on the day when Jesus said he would rise. Even so, when he heard the lady's report, he raced to that empty tomb, went inside, and found only empty burial claws. Then later that wonderful day, in a closed and locked room, he saw Jesus face to face. And no, Jesus wasn't a Marley's ghost who... John could see through a specter who gave all kinds of dire warnings. He wasn't the product of an overactive imagination inspired by an undigested bit of beef, a blot of mustard, a crumb of cheese, a fragment of underdone potato. No, John saw our living Lord, living alive enough he could feel his breath. Having shared his personal experiences, John could have branched out and spoken about how the other disciples had also seen Jesus and how they had seen him again and again and again. John might even have encouraged us to speak to the many hundreds who also saw the crucified and resurrected Redeemer. Each of them could have testified to the risen Christ and the eternal life the Holy Spirit gives to all whom he brings to faith. Meeting Jesus, that's what John wanted to give to you. He wanted you to know the Savior who can give hope to an individual who is crushed by failure, who can heal those who have been victims of the darkness, who can offer life to those who are seeing the approach of death. He wants to give value to those who feel worthless in a heavenly message of love which exceeds every other love we have ever known. John was not simply interested in us merely learning facts about Jesus. He wanted us to meet the living Christ who changed John's life as well as the lives of many millions since. John shared Jesus in the hopes that you and I might come to trust the Savior who has risen from the dead to rescue us. John shared Jesus so we might become curious enough to see if he matches the claims we make about him. Hear Jesus' words. 
Check out the facts. Take time to look at the evidence for the resurrection. Christians are not afraid of serious and honest study. If Jesus is the truth, and he is, he will stand up under any scrutiny. If he is not whom he claims to be, then you shouldn't follow him. So what will you do? Each Sunday for more than 85 years, the Lutheran Hour has gone into farms and fields, cities and countryside. Each Sunday, without exception, we have told the Lord's story and the Holy Spirit has used us to touch many millions of lives. But it may not have touched you or another person who is dear to you. That is why today we ask, will you not be brought to Jesus? When Jesus was with us physically, he told a parable about a rich man and a poor man. The rich man lived his life without faith or any of the deeds faith produces. In contrast, the poor man lived as a true follower of the Lord. Eventually both died. The beggar went to heaven and the rich man went to experience the unending torments of hell. Realizing his never-ending pain, the rich man's thoughts turned to his home and what he could do to make sure none of his family joined him. Well, the rich man thought and he thought and he thought some more. He asked himself, what foolproof method can be used to get my brothers to change their lives and become men of faith? Let me ask, what would work on you? Seriously, what would it take to get you to become Christian? Scrooge needed three ghosts from Christmas past, present, and future to change his life. What do you need? Well, as I was saying, the rich man figured it out and said, I've got five brothers who will be petrified if Lazarus shows up. Let's send him. The rich man was told, no can do. If people don't believe Moses and the prophets, they won't believe in a ghost. Not to be put off, the rich man again begged, if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Would the visit from a once-dead person make a difference to you? I hope it would if that person was Jesus Christ, who brings with him forgiveness for all your sins, peace for a troubled conscience, and hope for a blessed eternity. Jesus has already stepped out of his grave and into the lives of billions. But has he stepped into your life? Now, Jesus never shared what happened to the brothers of the rich men. Since they were a fiction, I don't especially care. But you are not a fiction. And today, someone that is your real Savior has returned from the dead and said, Repent, believe, and be saved. By God's grace, may you hear that invitation and respond to the forgiven and blessed eternal life our living Lord wishes to offer. To that end, if we can help, please call us at the Lutheran Hour. Amen. Listening to the Lutheran Hour, and that was Pastor Ken Klaus. Dr. Dale Meyer joins us now. Pastor Klaus talked about the reality of the resurrection. Your thoughts? Thanks, Mark. This happens to be the weekend of the Masters Golf Tournament down in Georgia. Pastor Klaus teed up, if I may <laughs> use that image, teed up some points I'd like to try and hit. And the first is this question Did Jesus' resurrection really happen? The Bible says it did, and we believe that. Is there also other evidence? 
Yes, Mark, I believe there is. At least evidence that tells us something very unusual happened. Okay. It was Dr. Paul Meyer of Western Michigan University who shared this with me decades ago, and I find it very interesting. One evidence that something happened is the universal agreement that the tomb was empty. Jesus' enemies never disputed that the tomb was empty. Oh, they made up stories, like Jesus had only gone into a coma, or that he died and the disciples stole the body, but no one disputed that the tomb was empty. Oh, very interesting. Is there more evidence? Mark, there's more. Think about the first disciples. They were a ragtag collection. In the Gospel of Mark, they never really understand what Jesus is up to. They often disagreed with one another. And during Holy Week, they showed cowardice. They fled. Now, all of a sudden, after Easter, they are a tight band of brothers who have no fear of going into the world, even facing opposition and martyrdom, in order to tell people about Jesus' death and resurrection, something happened to meld them into such a force. And I believe that something was seeing Jesus come back from the dead. And that resulted in the church growing at a phenomenal rate. 3,000 people were added just on the day of Pentecost. And that's another evidence that something very unusual happened. The rapid growth of the church. In the 40 days after Easter, Jesus appeared to hundreds of people. St. Paul tells us about that in 1 Corinthians 15. Those appearances changed people. And the people, in turn, spread the message that Jesus had overcome death. How else do you account for the rapid growth of the church unless something very unusual happened, something like the resurrection of the church's leader? And there's one more, one that I find especially fascinating. And what's that? It's the Roman historian Tacitus. He lived from about 56 A.D. to 120 A.D. and wrote a history of the Roman Empire. In the year 64 A.D., when Nero was emperor, a fire destroyed much of Rome. Here's what Tacitus wrote. But all human efforts, all the lavish gifts of the emperor, and the propitiations of the gods did not banish the sinister belief that the conflagration was the result of an order. Consequently, to get rid of the report, Nero fastened the guilt and inflicted the most exquisite tortures on a class hated for their abominations called Christians by the populace. Christus, from whom the name had its origin, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of one of our procurators, Pontius Pilatus, and a most mischievous superstition thus checked for the moment, again broke out. Not only in Judea, the first source of the evil, but even in Rome, where all things hideous and shameful from every part of the world find their center and become popular. Mark, I find this fascinating. A most mischievous superstition, Tacitus wrote, thus checked for the moment, again broke out. Maybe it broke out because Jesus was raised physically from the dead.
Having said all that, though, doesn't it still finally come down to believing that Jesus rose physically from the dead? Absolutely. St. Paul says, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. We can come up with evidence that something most unusual happened. But finally, you trust that Jesus rose or you don't believe it. Pastor Klaus mentioned Jesus' parable of the rich man and poor Lazarus. The rich man in hell wanted Father Abraham to send someone from the dead to convince his brothers to change their ways. Here's the answer, Luke 16, verse 31. If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. And here's another passage that teaches us it's a matter of faith and not sight. Just before Jesus ascended into heaven, Matthew 28, verse 17 says, And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Well, perhaps that describes one of our listeners today, someone who's struggling in their faith. How would you advise them? For one thing, pray. For another thing, think about your sins. The Bible is very clear that Jesus died for the forgiveness of our sins. You and I could not satisfy the justice of God for what we have done wrong. In view of that, what hope does any sinner have except the Son of God dying in our place? And the resurrection shows that God the Father accepted Jesus' payment for our sins. Death has been overcome, and since sin brought death, we know by the resurrection our sins are forgiven. The resurrected Jesus is our only hope. And so, dear listener, we pray to God to increase our faith in the word of Jesus. Everyone experiences stress, but not everyone is stressed out. Why is that? Read our free print resource titled, Stressed But Connected. You'll learn what causes stress and 12 ideas for managing it. Discover how you can be stressed but connected to God through his word. To request your free copy, go to lutheranhour.org or call 1-855-JOHN-316. That's 1-855-564-6316. Pastor Klaus leads us in praying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And now the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and remain with us all. Amen. This has been a presentation of Lutheran Hour Ministries.
Sham Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Thank you. 
Apologies if it gets a little uncomfortable, but how does it feel to be at the mercy of someone who thinks a random text is more important than your life? Someone who takes their eyes off the road while speeding along in a three-ton hunk of steel. Freaky, right? Well, why not just ask them to stop? Or better yet, volunteer to text for them. It might be a little awkward, but believe me, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Hey, Nick Cannon here. So, of course, we all know there's lots of talent in America. But unfortunately, there's something else we've got way too much of. Childhood hunger. 17 million kids struggle with it in this country. But here's the thing. This problem is entirely solvable. Seriously, we already produce more than enough healthy, nutritious food in this country to feed every single last one of those hungry kids. We just need a way to get it to them. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks is out there every day gathering surplus food to give hope to hungry kids and their families all across the country. But they need your help. Join me in supporting Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. Together we can solve hunger. Together we're Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to introduce a man who needs no introduction. His credits are too long to live. He has done the impossible time after time. 
Elijah in Bethlehem, Jerusalem, by way of heaven. His mother is still headlining in the Catholic Church today. His daddy is the author of a book that has been on the bestseller list since the beginning of time. He holds the record for the world's greatest fish fry. He fed 5,000 hungry souls with two fish, five loaves of bread. He can walk on water, turn water into wine. No special effects, no camera tricks. He has a head shot on every church fan across the country. Even before the kings of comedy, he was hailed the king of all kings, ruler of the universe, alpha and omega, beginning and the end, the bright and the morning star. Some say he's the rose of sheriff and some say he's the Prince of Peace. Get up on your feet. Put your hands together and show your love for the second coming of the one and only. God is good.
Yeah. 
This is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
Father Joy and by my high want to remind you that uh light storm inspirations is on Saturday nights here on Talk to Jam Radio. Tonight Nation Talk here at eight PM Eastern Time here on Talk Show and Jam Radio. salvation. Answers with Ken Ham, whose ministry is building a full-size Noah's Ark south of Cincinnati, Ohio. Have you ever thought about the fact that Noah's Ark is actually a picture of Jesus Christ? Let me explain. The Bible tells us that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Now, I believe he would have actually stood at the door of the ark and preached a message, perhaps something like this. There's a flood coming. 
God's going to judge this world. Believe God's warning and come on board. There's plenty of room for you. Obey God and be saved from the judgment to come. You know, sadly, only Noah's family went on board. Now, here's how Noah's ark is a picture of salvation in Christ. Think about it. When Jesus was on earth as a man, he said, I am the door. By me, if any man enters in, they will be saved. You see, Jesus is our ark of salvation. And just as in Noah's day, God's word warns us a judgment is coming, we need to go through a doorway to be saved. Are you in the ark of salvation? One of our more popular resources is a 95-page pocket guide on Noah's Ark. We'll send you a copy for a donation of any size. As we close out the broadcast week, call us toll-free at 1-888-89-ANSWERS and we'll mail you the guide for your donation of any amount. 24 hours a day, call us at 1-888-89-ANSWERS or get this pocket guide on the Ark by going through our website of AnswersOffer.org. This is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
and against man. I believe that on the third day, by the power of God, you were raised from the dead as living proof that my trust in you tonight is not in vain. I believe that as Christ was raised from the dead, so tonight, Almighty God, you are raising me from the dead. From the death of sin, you are giving me a new life. The life of Jesus Christ. Oh God, on my testimony and the belief in my heart and according to your word, at this moment, I believe I am saved. I am saved. I am saved. Hallelujah. Saved. 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 Oh, let me ask you, friends, in closing tonight, have you done this? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you come to that obedience of faith? Have you come to that place of true repentance and true faith? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? And are you trusting alone tonight in Jesus Christ for your salvation? For there is no other way. There is no other message. For there is no other way. There is no other message. Oh, come to Him. Come to the Savior tonight. Come to Him just as you are. Come to Him in your sin. Come to Him in all your needs. Cast yourself upon his mercy and upon his infinite grace. Cast yourself upon his mercy and upon his infinite grace. Cast yourself wholly to him. And you too will enter into that joy of sins forgiven, peace with God, and eternal, abundant life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, how will you escape? If you neglect so great salvation, well, how will you escape? If you neglect so great salvation? How can I say thanks?
You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.